Join us in a world where you're listening to Ballistic Radio. Sit back as we discuss hard-won lessons, the best and brightest that the personal defense and competition shooting industry has to offer. Let us help you help yourself, no matter where you are in your personal path. Ballistic Radio, brought to you by LuckyCounter.com and Federal Premium Ammunition. They pay for this, so you don't have to. Now here's your host, John Johnston. Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by LuckyGunner.com and Federal Premium Ammunition. They paid for this, so you don't have to. I'm your host, John Johnson. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at BallisticRadio.com. Get the latest behind-the-scenes info, arguments, photos, videos, other things at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. And hey, if you're on Instagram, uh, BallisticJ, you can see... uh, Really just kind of whatever I feel like posting. So, you know, if that's your thing. But, uh, hey, Joe, we're on we're on show number two. Show number two of the new season. That's uh, in the new studio. This is pretty. Made it just for you. Mm, that's not true, but I, I appreciate you lying to me that way. That's my, the the pretty lies are the, are the best lies. But, hey, guess what, Joe? What's that, John? This segment's also brought to you by Lucky Gunner and Federal Premium Ammunition. Whether there was a firefight or you do, in fact, want to worry about that little guy, you need more ammo. And when it's time to restock, you can't beat Federal Premium Ammunition and LuckyGunner.com. With a shipping department that's always moving at 88 miles per hour, if I order a case of American Eagle from Lucky Gunner on a Thursday, it's at my doorstep ready to shoot before the weekend starts. Head to LuckyGunner.com today to check out their in-stock lineup of Federal Premium Ammunition. Remember... Unless you're on fire or drowning or you've skipped all of the leg days, don't do that. It's bad for your personal development and growth as a human being. You can never have too much ammo. So joining us, this is uh, his first appearance on the show, but a man very near and dear to my heart, it's AJ Zito. AJ, what's up? Hey, man. How's it going? I can't complain. I really appreciate you saying you'd come on the show, dude. It means a lot to me. Well, thank you for inviting me, man. Uh, it is a pleasure, let me tell you. Well, I, I was very ecstatic to hear you uh, You wanted me on the show. Aw. <laughs> well, <laughs> see, we could go back and forth a little bit. That Then people would think that we're like kind of flirting with each other and like, I want to do that <laughs> privately. I don't want to do that on air. But... Mm. Uh, for those that have not heard of you before, what's your outfit? What do you do? Uh, not not what you're wearing, but like, who who are you with? Wait, that's a bad way to ask too. <laughs> Hold on. Um, what? What's the name of your company? Uh, okay. Yeah, and and all that good stuff. Then we'll we'll go from there. Okay, so uh, I run a company called Practical Performance, and uh, it is a two part company. So one part of it is pretty much purely training aspect uh mostly focused on pistol and carbine work uh specifically working on the performance side of shooting guns sure and then on the other side i am also a full-time gunsmith to where i build and fix and do a bunch of different uh performance things to all sorts of guns uh with a focus on 1911s and 2011s for carry and competition but i heard that 1911s and 2011s aren't reliable 
What? No. Weird. Weird, because no. I'm pretty sure mine made it through your class just fine. It did. Hmm. It did. Um, and that's that's a very nice segue. You should. I should have had you on sooner. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we shot like. I don't remember the round count. I think it was about 600 rounds uh, in a one-day, 10-hour class in Arizona with bunches of stuff blowing around and with bunches of magazines hitting the dirt uh, regularly, and your gun ran fine. I I did not see you have an issue with it. Now, in fairness, I wasn't watching the entire time, but I'm pretty certain I would have noticed because that's sort of something I'm looking for, you know? (laughs) Um, yes, indeed. And yes, indeed. I, if I remember correctly, I got to shoot it, and I think the first thing I said to you after I did was like, "Oh, I need you to build me one of these," and you know, I will at some point, <laughs> as soon as I get a real job and make more money. But um, so yeah, man. So you do all sorts of stuff, and what's interesting too is uh, I first was introduced to you back in 2013, I want to say, um, at an mm-hmm. Amos class in Oklahoma. Uh, so uh, Craig Douglas's Our Movement and Structures class. And sort of been following you ever since. We've been buddies ever since. But um, you've got some interesting stuff to say, and not many people have heard of you, and I think that's a travesty. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about. And I, my only regret is that in addition to, you know, getting a fast coin before me, uh, Jed Linsky also had you on his show before I did. So he keeps beating me at stuff that matters, and it just really hurts me a lot. I just <laughs> have to say. Um, so for pistol shooting, man, what do you think? And I'm just going to throw this question at you. Uh, what do you think the most overlook, overlooked aspect of that is? Ooh, that's a great one. So a big thing for me is the recoil management portion, mm-hmm. but really I think the entire industry for the most part with a few, you know, outliers has approached recoil management the hard way, or I don't want to say incorrectly, but they've taken the, the scenic route to try and achieve a goal, which is essentially getting the gun back to the same spot quickly. Mm. Um, They've done it the hard way. And most of the time we see this with, Grip the gun as hard as you possibly can. You know, death grip, you need to work on grip strength. You need to do this. You need to do that. And don't get me wrong. I was, I was in that, that camp for a long time, bought the captains of Crush, you know, worked my way up to a two, two and a half. And surprise, surprise, I could not manage recoil any better than I could before that. Yep. So something for me that really I think needs a lot more attention is not so much how much strength you are applying to the gun, but where you are applying strength and pliability to the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, I utilize more of a, a relaxed hand grip on the gun. And the first thing everyone says to me is, oh, yeah, that's going to give you a lot of muzzle flip. Huh. Well, honestly, I don't care that much about muzzle flip. What I care about is the gun returning to the same spot as quickly as possible and as reliably as possible. When I'd like to and point out for any for anyone that's been through either one of our classes or been through this, um, been through both, we came to these conclusions independently of one another. Just want to point out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, anyway, continue. 
Yeah. So that, uh, you know, that's a big deal for me. And I think, you know, every time you go to a class and you got guys, number one, right, what happens? Their support hand falls off the gun Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever you want to call it. And the answer always seems to be grip the gun harder, grip the gun harder, grip the gun harder. In my opinion, that is not the correct answer. You have to figure out what the balance between strong hand pressure and support hand pressure needs to be and when to apply those pressures in order to, number one, keep both hands on the gun, Mm -hmm. and number two, get the gun to track to the same spot it just left every time. So I would say that's probably the biggest deal for me. Well, and it seems like, and that sort of gets into another thing that is interesting. Um, you know, Tim Heron talks about managing um, managing the sites, and Gabe White sort of talks mm-hmm. about that to um, a lesser extent, or not necessarily a lesser extent, but a different extent. And one of the the things that I know was incredibly popular for a very long time was to talk about site tracking, like being uh, being able to track the sites through recoil, right? And yep. personally, I have not ever found that too useful because I don't necessarily care where the gun is when it's not pointed at what I want it to be pointed at. And that sort of falls into the thing that we both say uh, in that we just want the sites to return to where they left from or at least as close to it as possible, yeah? Oh, absolutely correct. I'll tell you. There's really only only two moments I really care about the sights. Number one is when they lift after the shot's been broken because that allows me to call the shot. Mm-hmm. And number two is that the sight tracks directly back to where it just left from. And that gives me pretty much all the information I need. I don't, I don't need to see the sights all the way through recoil. Mm-hmm. And normally what I say is I am aware of the sights, but my focus is not necessarily on the front sight through the recoil arc and through its track. Right. So, well, and that that actually gets into an interesting point. But we got to go to break. So I will ask you this um, when we get back. Right now, we are talking with AJ Zito from Practical Performance. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by LuckyGunner.com and Federal Premium Ammunition. They paid for this, so you don't have to. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat makers of the finest custom 1911s and scatter guns since 1977, a legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories, as well as the EDCX9, which offers discriminating shooters 1911 match grade accuracy, superior ergonomics, and concealability with modern service pistol capacity and reliability at www.wilsoncombat.com. So we're talking with AJ Zito um, from Practical Performance, and you were saying that the two things that you're interested in are um, when the sites lift and when they return, as far as that's that's sort of what you're focused on. And I guess my question would be, at this point, and, and this is going to sound very confusing, but are you actually focusing on anything when you shoot anymore, or not so much? Uh So that is a great question. Uh, Another huge aspect I am big on is the visual portion of shooting and where my focus is versus kind of where my awareness is. And I, you know, I, I didn't invent this. I picked it up from Frank Proctor who kind of 
led me that way. And if anyone's read, you know, Brian Enos's book, he does a huge section on focus and awareness. Right. Um, and when, once I understood that focus to me is kind of infinite, uh, which we know focus is infinite, but what I'm seeing and what I am focused on during shooting, I would never say I am truly hard focused on anything. Yeah. Um, my, my focus is constantly shifting and it is pretty much always soft. Uh, if I can use that terminology. So if, you know, we all learn initially that we need a hard front sight focus. Hard front sight focus is the only way to shoot and, and so on and so forth. And we learn the same thing nowadays with the dots. We need a hard target focus, so on and so forth. And my focus is rarely hard on either of those things at any time. So, uh, I think you're correct. Am I really focusing on anything? Not not necessarily, no. Well, and it's it's interesting to me because like I'll be shooting and um I'll it's I'll have these very unrelated, almost obtrusive thoughts. And I because I'm ADD. I am ADD. <laughs> I am ADD. Uh I am ADD. So oh, wait, wait, wait. The the correct terminology is ADHD, excuse me. But the you know i'll be i'll be doing something i'll be like ah man you know what's for lunch or or whatever and it's kind of funny i seem to do better during that than i do really trying to uh get involved in the process and i know that sounds odd but if you've listened to like any of the past if if the listeners of have listened to any of the past shows with um you know like gabe white or uh, Steger, any of those guys, you know, one of the things that sort of comes up is the uh, the interested observer aspect of things. You know, absolutely, man, absolutely. Well, and this is, you know, a conclusion you have made that is a hundred percent. Guys have found the same thing in the past, and typically they are your higher level of shooter. If you are too involved. Uh, too involved in either the process or the result, you you are doing a disservice to yourself because you are hyper focused on on one or the other. And you know the big thing everyone seems to talk about is is the the shooting of with no mind kind of idea, sure. right? And uh, I think we talked about this actually in your in your class. If we could if we could just have that out of body experience and just watch the gun shoot itself, but not be too involved in the gun shooting. Mm -hmm. I know that that's super transcendental and and whatnot, but um, if we could do that, then, then we really start to reach new levels in our shooting. Yeah. So, yeah. And some of the best shooting that I've ever done, uh, I was not involved in even a little bit. and, And that sounds weird, but, um, that is what it is, but, and it seems like too, that you tell that to people and they're like, well, I just need to whatever. And something that we're not talking about is how many hours of dedicated focus on the little tiny things that you're later on going to ignore, uh, how important <laughs> that is, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> 
So it's, uh, you know, we use the terminology subconscious consciousness a lot. And, and really what that is, is just a, a buzzword for, for properly myelinated, uh, uh, axons. Skills, yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Well, and so, I mean, if somebody's getting started in all this and they're listening to us talking, they're like, I don't know what the hell these people are talking about. Where, where would be a good place for people to start? I guess if they're going to work on things. So uh, a great place to start. Uh, there's, there's tons of resources out there. I would suggest guys, number one, if you really want to, if you're just getting into this and you really want to learn about it, number one, pick up Mike Sieglander's uh, competition training book. Pick that up. He does a great job of talking about myelination and how to drive skills and, and it's written for the newer, the newer shooter. Nothing is overly abstract. It's not like reading Beyond Fundamentals by Enos, which is, you know, you got to read that thing 10 times and then you, you figure out kind of what he says in the first paragraph. Right. So um, that's, that's a great place to start. Some other really great places, I think, um, as far as outside of the actual going to class training world is mm-hmm. is going to be things like pistoltraining.com or pistolform.com yes. or primary and secondary.com or or any of these kind of higher level um, skill-based forums you need to be careful with forums of course because anyone can anyone can put their opinion out which is sometimes good sometimes bad yep but mileage may vary so and then if you look into, you know, the actual, hey, I'm a new shooter. I need to go get training from someone. I don't just want to read. I don't want to see anything. Obviously, I want you to come to my class, of course. Uh, but other great places are going to be like like your your technical handgun course. I think there's a lot of great information there. There's other great instructors out there. Uh, Mike Seeklander's course is is excellent. Uh, Scott Jedlinski, if you're shooting a red dot, has tons of great information. It's a great place to start. A bunch of other guys out there. It really depends on what you want to focus on, I guess, as far as what you want to learn. And I I will say this, and I want to add on, and and, um, just so that, and I I know this isn't the intention, but like Jedlinski, he focuses on red dot stuff, but... If you're shooting irons, man, you could still go take his class and get a lot, um, especially about efficient movement and how impactful that can be on uh, top-end performance and stuff like that. And I think that's the other thing, too, is that, you know, so you mentioned my class and then you mentioned Scott's class. And I've, I've talked with Scott about this, So, and I, I'm sorry that we're talking about him. He's not here, but, like, I think Scott's class is incredible for seeing where your top-end is and increasing that. And very deliberately, my class um, is entirely centered around seeing what we can do to pick your bottom end up so that, um, you know, your your on-demand performance on your worst day, what can I do to help you get that to a better spot? And I, you know, what's funny is like, I've been dying to take a C-Clender class forever. And there's one not too far from me and I don't think I can make it and it's killing me, you know? 
But that's yeah, just... Mike, Mike's class. I haven't been in one of Mike's classes for for a few years now. But I'll tell you what. Uh, much like uh, you know, I've had I've had a couple, three maybe uh, classes I've been to that really just changed my entire way of thinking about shooting. Not not necessarily my technique, but how I how I approached shooting. Sure. And Mike, I got to give credit. Uh, Mike was probably the first. Hmm. And I, I I took so much away from from his class. Um, and then you know later on I I took a ton away from from Todd Green's class. That that really just kind of opened my eyes to a bunch of different things, especially in relation to. Uh, AIWB, right. and then honestly, uh, <laughs> huge eye-opening, uh, and, and a lot of what I, I I understand about shooting today came from Frank Proctor's class yeah. uh, several years ago. So, well, and that's another guy I need to train with. We got to go to break, man. Um, right now, we're talking with AJ Zito from Practical Performance. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by LuckyGunner.com and Federal Premium Ammunition. Remember, they paid for this, so you don't have to. This segment brought to you by BigTexOutdoors.com. BigTexOutdoors.com is the best place for you to find all your everyday carry needs at the absolute best prices. Maybe you need all the lumens from Surefire at the lowest price. No problem. Spend too much time alone in your room, and now you need an RMR on your pistol? BigTexOutdoors.com has those. Glock accessories? Yes. Fast, cheap shipping, 100% hassle-free returns, all that and more. And best of all, BigTexOutdoors.com has Ike. He's a good man and thorough. I like Ike. Everybody likes Ike. And you'll like Ike, too. Visit BigTexOutdoors.com today and find out what happens when every customer is a friend, not just an order. So we're talking with AJ Zito from Practical Performance, and we were sort of getting into the training side of things. And... Man, here's something I have not done in a while, and I would kind of like to talk about with you. Let's talk about hardware stuff, because um, I know everyone wants to talk about it. I know everybody <laughs> <laughs> everybody is super into that. What what um, What is your ideal setup? If you could, well, and you can, uh, but if you could set anything up, however you wanted to set it up, what, what's that look like for you? Sure. Uh, well, of course, I, I do have the luxury of literally being able to set up whatever I want. And, and honestly, that's how I ended up a gunsmith in the first place, was because I was tired of getting things that weren't set up the way I wanted. So, um, so let's, let's talk about the gun, I guess, first. Obviously, uh, I'm a huge 1911-2011 guy, mm-hmm. and for me, if I can have everything my way, I'm definitely going to run a 2011 9mm uh, full government-length slide at you know 5-inch barrel, RMR on top of it, and that's I'm going to tune it up, and I'm going to run it like that pretty much every day, all day. Mm-hmm. And I have found that that setup for me gives me everything I want as far as performance, accuracy, uh, you know, ab- ability in multiple situations, 
Um, and I'm probably going to throw a, you know, a surefire on it, of course. So, uh, the, the X300U is kind of my jam. And, uh, if I can, if I have the ability, it goes on pretty much all my guns. Right. So, so that's how I'm going to set up my pistol. Well, for me, uh, I mean, holster wise, gear wise, I, I carry a reload. I know statistically I may or may not need that reload. Uh, but I pretty much always carry a reload somewhere on my belt. And uh, mag pouches, holsters. So, obviously, I carried a keeper's concealment holster forever. Yeah. <laughs> For, forever. And uh, I, love, I love that holster, man. And recently, I've been playing with the Filster Floodlight mm-hmm. uh, because... Pretty much no one builds a holster other than that that will accept a 2011 with a light. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I've been carrying that for a while now, and uh, I really dig it. Really dig it. It's a very interesting concept. It's the first universal type holster I've used that I, I'm a huge fan of. So, and then. Because the world is the world, I pretty much always have some form of a backup gun on me, mm-hmm. no matter what. So, when it's... Uh, one of the one of the great things about being a gunsmith is you see a lot of things that can't be fixed with, you know, cap rack or 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 you know lock strip rack reinsert so on and so forth. Right. Well, and that's um, it's really interesting too to talk about with folks like what what does your carry stuff look like? Um, and like, I'll tell you right now, if uh, I'll get into it, um, you know, I've got a G 48 on currently in a, um, uh, I think I'm carrying a, yeah. Henry holster right now with, um, with a discrete carry concepts clip on it. Cause he was, uh, he was kind enough to send me when he was doing his uh, prototyping for the G 48 holster. He did the first one in orange. Because he knows I dig orange, I guess, and sent it to me, and I'm like, "Cool, dude, thanks." And I've been playing with that just because, um, yeah, I like playing with stuff that people send it to me, and I've really enjoyed that. I usually carry Dark Star Gear stuff, which is another excellent option. But I got a G48 on uh, with Ameriglows on it, and I've got a Stiletto uh, pocket light in one pocket, and I got a Saber Mark Six canister of uh, OC spray in the other pocket, and. That's pretty much it. Uh, you know, Medgear. Um, you know, it's intriguing. Now, ideal and what, what I would like to carry if I didn't worry about other things uh, and specifically, you know, I end up going a lot of places where maybe it's not illegal for me to have a gun, but it is a big deal for me if I get caught having a gun. Um, so I, de- I default to a concealed is a 100% thing, you know what I mean? Versus a 90% or a 95% thing. And I think a lot of people lose sight of that. It's like, you know, if I didn't go those places and sometimes unexpectedly, I'd carry different stuff, you know? Um, and as far as setting guns up, you know, you, you mentioned a five inch slide and all that. And I'm like, in my head going, you know, yeah, that all sounds great. That all sounds great. And I'm like, four inch slide with a comp, you know, as it, <laughs> just like a voice in the back of my head, um, going, uh, do this thing. 
And it's it's kind of cool how um, how people can have different opinions on stuff like that. And it's just like this. It's not even an argument. It's just like I like I like peanut butter and jelly, and you're like I like peanut butter and marshmallow. We like sandwiches. Does that make sense, or was that weird? Did I make that weird? <laughs> no, absolutely. You're you're absolutely correct. Um, and four inch guns with a comp, I think, it's a great option. I just personally, I would I personally prefer five inch guns without a comp mm-hmm. to a four inch gun with a comp. Well, and even know, even for me, like strokes a, for different folks, man. Yeah, and even like a four inch gun, uh, just on its own. So, and that's something too. Is like I like quicker slide velocity. Um, I I just you know, we were talking about sites returning uh, where they left from, and I have found with quicker slide velocity that works a little bit better for how I manage the gun. That's also the reason why I'm weird for 357 SIG, you know? Uh, <laughs> you want to talk about a gun uh, that has a, a fast cycle time, uh, at least from the shooter's perspective, it's definitely that, you know? So, um, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> so uh, let's do this, man. We're uh, we're kind of coming up towards the end of this segment. I just want to get into the next one so that we're not interrupting um, what I'm going to ask you next. So right now we're talking with AJ Zito from Practical Performance, and you're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by LuckyGunner.com and Federal Premium Ammunition. They paid for this, so you don't have to. We're talking with AJ Zito about gun stuff and shooting stuff. And um, let me ask you this. Do you think it's interesting how often when people have, especially the gear side of the argument or, excuse me, conversation, they turn it into an argument or they pick hills to die on. Is that odd to you at all? Very, very odd. Uh, I, I personally don't understand it. Uh, you know, here's, here's the deal, right? There, there's a strong delineation from good gear and bad gear. Mm-hmm. But once you, once you get into, Hey, this is well, well-made gear, right? It, it doesn't, flop over it doesn't break it doesn't do all this other stuff uh man <laughs> i couldn't care less right if if it is working it is a it is it adds performance to what you are doing and it doesn't have downsides as far as i can see go ahead go go run that holster or that mag pouch or or whatever but being I guess so locked in. Okay. So I'll use one that I've seen recently uh, dealing with clips, mm-hmm. right? Dealing with holster clips. Um, there's a lot of great holster clips. I personally like the discrete carry concepts clips. I think they're, they're great. I literally just got a set. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. I also didn't have any issues with the uh, previous filster uh injection molded clips that I use the no issues with breaking, rolling around, doing stuff like that to die on the hill of metal clips. Isn't worth it to me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and 
once again, though, I think that goes back into, you know, personal experience. Because I know that, um, you know, for the longest time, uh, people that have been through ECQC were, were looking at their experience there and going, these things will get you killed on the street because they don't retain and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that is a low percentage um, situation and not low percentage that it's zero percentage, but there's, there's a lot of considerations there. And it's kind of like, you know, people don't value others ability to make their own judgments or do their own risk assessment. And in fairness, most people are bad at doing that. So I kind of see where that's coming from, but um, you know, it's like if I if I select something that's suboptimal, hopefully I thought it through. And even if I didn't, it doesn't affect you. It would, it would be kind of like if we got weird and started talking about underwear, right? And I was like, mm-hmm. I wear boxer briefs. And you were like, I wear uh, – and and you were like, so me as you, I wear tidy whities And I was like, Civil War, you know? <laughs> it's like, why do I care yeah. what underwear you're wearing? Um, you know, and there was <laughs> – Speaking of of online conversations, somebody was asking about um, iron sights on pistols co-witnessing with red dots. Um, And because of how my brain visually processes information, I find it excruciatingly distracting if the irons and the dot aren't pretty close to each other, right? Um, And I said simply... I zero the irons to the dot. And someone was like, you shouldn't do that. And I'm like, okay. Um, I disagree. You know, and and they were very just like very unhappy with me that I could possibly disagree with them. And I finally, like, well, here's why. And they're like, you should have said that first. And I'm like, okay. But I didn't, you know. So, and the fact that um, I think we're programmed, especially in our online interactions, to as soon as someone disagrees with us immediately or as soon as someone says something that maybe we don't even understand fully or uh, whatever, it's like battle. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, dude. Absolutely. You know, uh, the ego is a crazy thing, man. And and the Internet likes, likes to pump that ego. And it, sometimes it's hard for guys to – to be able to discuss rationally why or why something is good or bad in their opinion. But when it boils down to it, I don't care mm-hmm. if you, if you want to zero it like this, zero it like that. Yeah. You know, you want, you want co-witness, you want full co-witness, you want lower third co-witness, go for it. Yep. If it, if you have done it and it makes sense to you and it is effective, I say, go for it. Well, it was funny, too, because I'm like, uh, you know, doing it that way, I've never not been able to keep the irons on an A zone at 25 yards. Um, it's like sure. the the he said, well, that's a that's a piss poor measurement of of a iron sight zero. And I'm like, dude, I can't see anymore. Me, me hitting anything at 25 with irons and A zones, me doing pretty damn good. That is not a limitation of the guns or my zero at this point. That's a limitation of my eyeball. Mark one does not work so good. With iron sights, you know what I mean. So, yeah, I mean, it was, absolutely. It was just kind of, and, and there's that vision thing again, man. Mm-hmm. Right? Vision's vision's huge. There's a lot of guys that can't see 
things at 25 yards, especially, you know, if we get into that B8 crowd. Yeah. And it's like, dude, no. Yeah. I, I see black sites on, on black circles at 25. Mm-mm. So. Mm-mm. Um, not even a little bit. And that's, uh, nope. I mean, you know, I, I, that and I don't have the patience to shoot um, well at 25. I have, I have discovered personally. So we got like uh, four minutes left, dude. Let me ask you this. What's your favorite uh, assessment these days for how you are doing as a shooter? Is there any one like thing that, that you run or get to run that you're like, okay, this is my, my benchmark and I'm going I'm to use this every so often? Yeah. So I would, I would not say there's one specifically. I, I like to do a bunch of different things for metrics. You know, I use the fast drill for forever Mm -hmm. and I still do. I still do. But now it's, it's, can I be, can I break under four seconds clean kind of stuff? Right. That, that's where my head's at. For me, a lot of stuff, I take a lot from, from the competition world. So I'll, I'll use very set metrics. So the build drill, right? Yeah. I use the build drill a lot to see where I'm at recoil management wise. Uh, I'll, I'll use something called Schmidt standards, which is 50 yard uh, shooting into seven yard, multiple strings of fire. I'll use that a lot. So th- those are kind of the things I look at. I'll tell you, honestly, I shoot, uh, Scott Jedlinski's black belt standards more than probably anything because that seems to be the most well-rounded type of metric mm-hmm. uh, I, I have come across because it incorporates multiple aspects of shooting from growth site pictures to refined site pictures at distance, so on and so forth. So it really blends everything for me. Hmm. Um, you said Schmidt standards. I'm like, wow, AJ dropped something I have not heard of before. I'm impressed. That's, uh, I, I, I feel like, you know what? You win. You win, sir. You win. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. I know you were, I know that's what you were super concerned with. Um, what's funny to me is, is like other than projects. Um, so like I'm still, uh, working on that 229 project. Uh, does this gun suck for, for lucky gunners? Uh, you know, for the, the blog and the YouTube page and all that. Um, but other than stuff like that, really the only shooting I do these days, because I'm focused on some other things, is demoing in class, like cold demos in class. And that's been um, incredibly intriguing. You know what I mean? Uh, for from mm-hmm. my perspective, just because simply, like, I used to be horrible um, at cold on-demand performance, especially in front of people. Um, and that's been like super, super helpful for me. Um, not that anyone cares. I just, I just felt like sharing with my buddy AJ. So, but, uh, (laughs) no, and that's, that's a great point. And it's, it's true, man. I mean, cold on-demand performance is what everything is about in my opinion. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't matter if we're talking, defensively or tactically or competitively the whole world is cold on demand performance yep and and that's 
that's what it's about. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, guys. Uh, we're at the end of the show. AJ, thanks for coming on. Um, I cannot recommend AJ enough, uh, either from a training or gunsmithing perspective. So if you want to pay him money, which I strongly recommend, uh, go to practicalperformance.org and uh, give him all your dollar bills, y'all. So, dude, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Hey, man, thanks for having me. I had a great time. Uh, I loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Well, I, I'm sure I will have you back on at some future date, sir, and I will see you shortly. So be safe, dude. Enjoy the rest of your day, okay? Thanks. You as well, man. All see right. You I'll see you. Hey, make sure you check out our website, BallisticRadio.com, like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio, and keep leaving those five-star review on iTunes. really helps us out. We appreciate it quite a bit. And remember, we're on Spotify now. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe. See you next week.